Welcome to Jersey Smarties with your host, Sam the Guru and John the Know-It-All. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Know-It-All. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. So I'm going to get right into it because I feel as though this world needs a safety moment right now. So um, I want to help the world survive. The world. The world at large you want to help. the 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 world as we know it, I need them to know how to survive. A raccoon attack. Huh. Yeah. I, okay. I honestly didn't know that we needed those skills, but okay, let's go ahead with it then. Yeah, I mean, so I think So what is this that it. you just put up on the screen? It is a 3D raccoon. Okay. I need you to understand, and everybody of our listeners understand what we are dealing with in the world, okay? How to survive a raccoon attack, number one. Cover all your exposed limbs with jackets and spare material, especially the face and the head. Because they go for the face. They say, you're pretty, and they attack you. Or you're ugly, and they go for, like, your eyes because they don't want you to look at yourself in the mirror or something like that. Hmm. Anyway, this is all science. It's right here. It's I'm all science. Well, I mean, that, that's actually yeah. the, the most impressive thing about you is you do your research, and you have science backing up what you do. Um, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. I know. I know. I know. They can prance too, just like he is right there. Number two, don't try and corner the raccoon. This will only make it more stressed and subsequently more aggressive and likely to fight. So they get stressed out easily. They are notorious drinkers and drinkers um, habituals and partiers. So they like their life calm and they like to be happy. So they're they're they love the nightlife. Um so they get very stressed out when you corner them because they like space. They're like peacocks. They need room to grow. Okay. Um, number three. If a raccoon when, approved- when, when you say they're drinkers, like um, what do they have a preference in a certain kind of drink over another or just yeah, they, they drink water, stale water. Um, I thought you meant uh, like alcohol water. drinkers, like they would go to the local raccoon bar. The, there is raccoon bars. Hmm. There's speakeasies for uh, raccoons. So number three, if raccoon approaches too closely, make yourself appear larger, stand up, shout, and wave your arms. It's kind of the opposite of what you're supposed to do in a bear attack. Actually, that's what you're supposed to do, but that's what you're supposed to do with a bear as well. Really? Yeah, when a bear comes, you're supposed to make yourself larger than than they are to scare them off. Hmm. Yeah, I'm running. They're going to see the back of me, and if I'm running, if I want to be smaller than they are at that point. Well, right. I can tell you, you will not outrun a bear. Do you know how fast a bear, a black bear in New Jersey can run? Why is it got to be a black bear? Why can't it be an albino bear or a polar bear? Because they don't live in New Jersey. Oh, good point. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to research this. So Yeah. But do you yeah. know how fast they run? <laughs> no. How fast do they run? Up to 35 miles an hour. So you're dead, my friend. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can only run 32. Yeah. Well, um, there you go. The extra three <laughs> miles, they got you. Yeah. All right, uh, next one. If it continues to approach, throw or spray water or even stones if needed. I heard, so, f- I heard if you scream and cry like a little girl that they let you go, John. I heard, I heard if you pee yourself, they don't like the smell of your own pee. So if you pee yourself, that works too. Of your own pee or their yeah, pee? They don't, they, they, don't like, they don't like the smell of uh, human urine. Okay, I want to be there to see you do that. I'd like to okay. videotape it. And um, see how that works out. Just stand there and pee on yourself. 
That would be the highest rated video Jersey Smarties puts okay. up. It's it's, <laughs> being there to, it's not a jellyfish. It's not a jellyfish. So I'm not exactly, I, I don't know if I believe that, that if you pee on yourself, they run away. Okay. Well, um, a raccoon that is number four, number one, two, three, four, five. Sorry, still not good at math. Hmm. The raccoon that is very aggressive or too tame or seems to be disoriented or staggers may be sick or injured. So that's like a, uh, when they have rabies because they come out during the day. They're not, like I said, they're party animals at night and they like to do it. Um, they said, you know, some things, how to keep them away. Um, try hot sauce, which I think you had said like a, you had said like paprika or something. Cayenne pepper. Yeah. Cayenne that that pepper. was for the groundhog. Yep. Motion activity lights, which it does work. Um, motion activities, uh, sprinklers or battery operated radios. I don't, to scare the raccoons away. So I guess if you but use if they're party levels, animals, if you put a radio out there, you don't think they're going <clears> to They jam? dance to their own beat, the music in their head. They can control the volume. Huh. All yeah. right. So, so this safety moment has been brought to you by Jersey Smarties. Mm. Please we be safe cars. and yep. do not listen to anything we just said. You should do your own research because uh, we don't want you coming back and saying you peed yourself and uh, they still beat right. you. I am not a professional researcher. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just play one on 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 a podcast. Yeah. So, anyway, how you doing? That's good. 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 Yeah. Yeah, just chilling. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. You thought you saw a raccoon. I know. I did. The one thing I want to tell you about the raccoons that you should uh, be aware is they, they do come out during the day more and more now because... Freaks come out at night. I just thought of that song, Freaks Come Out at Night. Remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. But they, they do come out during the day because they're looking for food. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that they're rabid, but they will attack you uh, because they're looking for food. Can they eat old people? Um, I think so. I think if you... I didn't just, know if it was like a zombie thing. Yeah, no, I think they'll eat old people. Just put a mm. little spice on them, not too spicy. Mm. Right. Yeah, again, they, they don't like, they like a little salt and pepper. Um, so uh, this has been an interesting week for us. I mean, uh, I, I just, I, 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 you know, we have our own lives and our own conversations about stuff and uh, everything going on in the world today. I, it kind of makes you make your scope a little bit um smaller is it i guess that would be the right thing to say because you see all these big events going on all these all, all this uh violence and then you look at one particular jerk and you go what the hell is this person doing and then you start thinking about it and you realize there's a lot of jerks in life well i think that's a part of the whole selfishness when we just kind of look at ourselves and no one else <clears throat> and don't care about how others feel about whatever is happening in the world or to you that's that level of selfishness that causes some anger with people. Yeah, I, I just think it's um, it, it amazes me that um, some people can um, go around and um, play the victim with things when they are completely at fault. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Like, how, how do you do that? How do you do that? I mean, it goes into the whole narcissistic talk. Um you know when when a nar- when they when narcissist uh when you call them out what do they do well, scream yell blame yeah. your fault and then give you the silent treatment like you're the bad guy correct and and, and i think you find that a lot in people that are that lack character 
So as a result of it, they want to blame somebody else for their lack of progress or whatever may have gone wrong because their plan was was on point, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Their thoughts were on point, whatever it was. It's everyone else not accepting it. Right, right, right. And their point was was golden. You know, like it's um, – I was reading – I think it was a couple of weeks back. I was reading an article about Elon Musk and how he destroyed Twitter. <laughs> but did he? Huh? Did he? Did he really destroy it? I I kind of just think. Listen, I, I I think when you take a version of something which is like Facebook and you continuously uh, repeat that, like an Instagram. Oh, we're just going to take the picture portion or a tweet or Twitter where you could just do this or do that. I think it should just be one type of social media. So I don't think he destroyed it. I just think it fell by the wayside. But him as an employer, um, he really ticked off some people. He got rid of like um, the top people who were waking, making way too much money. Um, he was just not not doing the things that a good owner should do. Um, so I guess that kind of leads me to my question is, if you were an owner, what would be some of the things that you would do? As an owner of a company. Hmm. So I, I think it, I've always functioned in my leadership roles as being the owner of the company. And I always try to run it as if everything that's happening is directly related to what I'm doing. So I always try to look at the, the, the common denominator in everything, which is usually the frontline workers. And what they're going through and how they're dealing with it and what what effect are my decisions and choices making on them. Right. So I've always tried to kind of be the working man, if that makes any sense. Because right. if I could understand what they're going through, then I would be able to make decisions that would support what they're going through and make the business better rather than worrying about the top leadership roles and how they feel about it. So what you're saying is you like, and, and I think I, I do the same school of thought is, you know, I believe that, um, if you're asking people who you supervise or are underneath you or, or around you, um, you want to know how to do the job so that you're just not relying on them to do it. And, you know, you feel as though you're part of it. Well, not just it, being able to do the job. I'll give you an example. So in healthcare, um, like in hospital settings, Nurses are your biggest customer. And what I mean by that is they are the largest department that you have. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at them as your biggest customer. If that customer is unhappy, then anyone that they provide a service to will be unhappy as well. Mm -hmm. If you keep that customer satisfied and they're able to produce at the best level because they feel that they're being, I I guess, cared for, then it just kind of trickles down. It, it, It... really doesn't make any sense that the people that are disconnected from the day-to-day events and operations not to be so connected to the people that are making those kind of decisions. So I, I may know how to do the job, but if I escalated to be a CEO, I don't have the time to do that job anymore. So I just remember it from my perspective, and I think we, we can all safely say Whatever job any of us had, we always thought we were the best at it. No one else can compete with us. Right. I felt that way when I was um, a stripper at a nightclub when I was younger. And no I think that nightclub closed, right? 
Yes, yes, because uh, the apparently that no one came. Apparently, anyway. it wasn't even a strip club, but you were stripping there. Oh yeah, maybe it was a nursing home. What was it called? Shoprite. <laughs> yeah. Walmart. Walmart. Yeah. It was Walmart. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm gonna get into my Walmart story of the 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 episode at the end of this. So, so you get involved as so at what point now? Let's not say you were a CEO. Let's say you were the owner. At which point is of an owner of your growing business, do you step aside and let the people you hire run it? Or do you continue to stay completely involved in it? Um, that's a tough question. I, I would want to stay completely involved in it. And I don't mean micromanaging, but minimally being able to manage what's happening um, from my perspective. So if I'm going to step away and let somebody else take care of it, then the product that I'm looking for, I need to see it being produced consistently. And I need mm -hmm. to make sure that it's up to the standard that I had initially started or higher. So um, it's hard. If you're the owner of something, it's really hard. It's kind of like saying as a parent, right? You have your child, but you're going to let somebody else then take care of your child and you're going to step away. Would you do that? Right, no. Of course not. I mean, you send your kids off to school, and you still want to make sure the teachers are teaching the right thing and you go to these meetings and you advocate for your your kids to have certain things being done for them. You don't just trust that the school system is going to do what needs to be done and get it to you and your kid, right? Right. You get involved with it. Yeah. So it's no different than owning a business. You're, it's your baby. You want to make sure that it's growing in the right way, that it's thriving in the right way, and you don't want to just kind of turn your back and say, I trust so-and-so, let them run it for me. And that person's interest is not the same as yours. Okay. So you said a couple different things. You said something along the lines of um, micromanaging. Um, so w were you just controlling it from the top? You're talking to the heads of, of departments or are you getting in there and you're talking to um, the actual ground floor employees as well and telling them what to do and uh, superseding your No, department. no. I, what I said is I would not micromanage. Right. So to me, the difference in micromanaging and macromanaging, micro means I'm involved in every little decision that's happening. No one could make a decision without me being involved. Macromanaging is making sure that the, the bigger goal is being achieved the way that I expect it to be achieved, and it's getting me the product that I initially started with or better. So, yeah, I, I would I would meet with the frontline people every once in a while. I would try to visit as much as possible to let people know, like, hey, I'm here, I'm listening. What what do I need to know that I, you think I don't know? Right, right. And at which point, as an owner, um, if you see if you if you see something happening with an employee, at which point do you um, step aside and uh, let me see. So you you see good things going on um, and you say, I want to do it this way. And you have your department heads come up to you and say, no, um, we think it should be done this way. And here's why. Um, is your way always the highway or do you have to learn to keep an open mind? How's that work when you're, when, when it's your baby and like, you know, like you said, you have this mindset, um, this is the way it's supposed to go. This is the way it's supposed to work out. How, how do you break from that? So just think about what you just said. If, if I'd rather everything, 
<laughs> if, if everything had to be my way, then why even solicit any thoughts from anybody? I would just say do it. Why hire way. anybody else? Exactly. So why have department heads? It, it, it doesn't make sense that if it doesn't matter if you're the owner, the CEO, that if everything is um, at your decision making and no one else is allowed to have input or give any feedback, then there's no need to have layers. It's just right. you saying do this and the frontline workers do it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes those layers are just, um, I mean, you know, I can only speak from experience, but those layers are just more buffers of people to um, basically just bully. Um, if you're one of those people as well and, and tell what to do, sometimes it becomes such an ego thing. I think we talked about this with politics mm -hmm. that nine out of 10 times, it's more of an ego thing. And I kind of feel that way when a company starts off small and grows, you mm -hmm. know, it's no different than the politician that starts off as a township committeeman and ends up we're running, you know, state assembly or even, you know, higher president, whatever it may be, um, their head gets big. So what are some tactics when when you're on the flip side of that and you're the employee and you are dealt with an owner or a boss that is just so high on themselves they hear nothing but their own voice and and um, think they're just the greatest person in the world? You and I have spoken about this a few times or more than I mean my thought is very I, I think it's very simple and basic if I'm at a certain em employer and I'm not happy to be there anymore because I see it's going in a different direction, then my only decision to make is when am I going to leave? Right. Not are they going to change their mind? Not are they going to do what I want? It's going to be when am I going to leave? Because it's their company. Right. And even though they may come back and say, oh, okay, we're not going to do it. Because you're upset, we're not going to do this whatever thing. It's just a matter of time before they come back and say, guess what, we're going to do it. So you have to feel comfortable in knowing that this is not your company. You will have to just abide by whatever the rules that they set in place. Or you move on to some other company that you'd be more comfortable working with. Um, I think if you give the employees that authority or that perceived thought that they have input to change things, then they think every opinion counts. Then they mm -hmm. think every idea needs to be implemented. And when it doesn't, then there's hurt feelings and all kind of other things that happen. So people just need to respect the chain of command. I mean, it's no different than the military. I, I really like the chain of command process. In the military, if you think about it, um, a private might have an amazing idea, but they're not going to go to the staff sergeant and say, hey, rather than us uh, doing this, here's what we need to do. And the staff sergeant's going to go, oh, yeah, that's great. No problem. Well, why don't we have a, a committee sit down and review this? No. Things are set up in a certain structure. They affect a bigger amount of people than just that one person with the idea. And mm -hmm. just because it works for one person doesn't mean it'll work for everybody else. Even if it works for 50% of the people, then the other 50% that you're losing is going to destroy your company. Right. So you have to be careful. And again, everything always gets introduced in a certain kind of way. 
it needs to be planned and it needs to be sometimes um, put it needs to be put out there in a way that people have to react to it, good, bad, or ugly. Because if you kind of make these very happy kind of scenarios of why we're changing things and how we're changing them, and then it it, it changes and it's nowhere near what you tried to paint, mm-hmm. it creates more hostility and animosity. Right. So I always try to let people know, like, we're going to be making this change. We're not exactly sure what the outcome will be at the end, but here's what we're looking for. We'll always reevaluate it. We'll look at it from a 30, 60, 90 day perspective and see what's working and not working and try to enhance it. But the change is going to happen. And you give them a couple of weeks for them to get ready for this because it, it, you know, the first week might be just total shock. How dare this person do this? The second week will be them making a decision if they want to be a part of it or not. And by the third week, when you start working it, it's either they're on board or they're not. Right. All right. Now, what do you do when you have a boss who is just wrong? And I'll use the I'll use the scenario of Biden, Trump, Hitler. I'll lump all them in together. You know, at which point did the Nazi soldiers go, yeah, we shouldn't be doing that. Um, and on a smaller scale, we have some owners who just turn around and now just do whatever they want, break laws or whatever. Like, that's just a point where you just need to get out at that point because it's a philosophy or a morality issue. That's tough, John. Yeah. Because, again, I, I think when you're talking about a dictatorship, um, a lot of it is done out of fear because you don't know if the person standing next to you is a friend or foe. And with a dictatorship, people are trying to rise to power through their alliance to the person that scares them the most. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think history has shown that, um, whether it be personal history, it, um, national history, uh, it has always shown that fear is... It, it's the catalyst to a lot of Yeah, it. it's, it's the, uh, the most afraid follow mm-hmm. more than anything. And we'll turn you in, we'll turn against you, yep. we'll you know, be the person behind closed doors where you're the problem, you're the issue. And then in front of your face, you're doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's, that's that emotion that you don't know how to harness until the time comes. Um, a lot of people don't do well with fear. Mm -mm. A lot of people freak out with it because they're not exactly sure how to be able to resolve that, that, emotion that's just crippling them and some of them they embrace it and they try to fight through it others they just give up and they will go along with whatever is being given to them so that dictatorship model is it, it's not it could never be a business model Mm-mm. no be- because no, it, not- it, it's all about me it has nothing to do with the product it's just about me um, the autocratic model, which is much more of the military model, which it's it's set up in a certain structure that everybody has to follow, and there are consequences for not following it to get you to follow it, which include termination. And the, again, the, the the democratic process is it sounds great, but you've been in positions where a decision had to be made, 
and then you get a bunch of people in the room and nobody wants to make that tough decision. Everybody has a reason why we should not make that tough decision. So I think as an owner, as an administrator, you have to know how to balance between being a, a autocratic and a democratic leader where there are certain things that you bring people in and you, you want to hear the different opinions. You want to kind of put a vote on the table and have them have ownership to it. But then there's other emergent needs. You don't have the time for that. Right. You need to make the change. You need to be able to tell people what the change is and move on. Correct. Correct. I think I think sometimes, though, especially when it comes to business, um, a lot of these businesses start off as um, small, um, intimate type family atmospheres. And what happens is I, I think you and I have definitely talked about it because I said something about there should be a course on it. And you're like, oh, I taught that course. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, growing. Is that what I sound like? Too- oh, I taught that course. No, you sound a lot. Listen, you, you, I, I told you that there are many people lining up that want you to voice their biopics when they go. Well, I hope so, they don't go. Yeah, I know. I know your voice is, I know you become rich on Listen, people's death. Way to go. I, 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 hope, I hope nobody goes. We can just do a fake biopic right now. Right. right let's just do it. Yeah. Um, so when these, when you have a business that starts off um, very intimate and it's a family culture and it grows uh, too quick. Because there is absolutely um, fact that businesses can grow too quick and then start to implode from the inside. At which point do you make that move from that family type of intimate business to that bigger model? Or is there not one? Or can you keep that family um, business and still move to that bigger model? I think you need to ask yourself if you're still on board with the mission and vision that you built. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you can grow quick, and that's fine because of your mission and vision. But mm-hmm. if your mission, like let's say you, you open up a food pantry, right? Mm-hmm. And you end up having all these sponsors that now are giving you hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of all kind of um, donations towards your company that you're able to open up a supermarket. And from that supermarket, you can open up a thrift shop and so on and so forth. Stuff that be, that starts now becoming uh, a very big part of the community that you're serving and you're seen as this large commodity within the community because you're helping these people out. Well, that, that kind of power can go to your head. That mm-hmm. kind of image can go to your head. And now you're thinking like, I've made it. I'm, I'm the big dog in this world. And you grew too fast for you to realize how much work went into what happened here, right? My view, and this is just my view and my opinion, that person lost their view on their vision and their mission. Because if they held on to that mission and vision, they would be more than able to see that, okay, let me take a step back. Let me make sure that we're still producing what we had promised early on. Is it better? Do we need to enhance it? Maybe we need to bring a couple of external stakeholders, like people from the community, to ask them how we're doing. So this is what we could find out. Is our growth maybe too much? Do we need to slow down? But no, people get intoxicated. We spoke about the intoxication that comes along with power. Mm -hmm. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. 
it's the golden rule. He he mm-hmm. who has the gold makes the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, and and you're absolutely right. Um, but you know, we also have those people who just have that vision of exploiting their own story and their mission, and also going into a realm that doesn't necessarily even fit any type of family dynamic. So, and that's unfortunate. But do you think that they're exploiting it or do you really think that they're, they still believe they're doing that and they're just like so delusional. They've been deluded with their own, I I don't know what to call it. Do you really want my analogy on this? Yeah. I'm going to give you my analogy on it. All right. Cult leaders. Yeah. David Crash. He yeah. believed what he was doing was absolutely correct. You know, when you look at every cult leader or every large um, militia um, organization that well, Let's went talk bad, about cult leaders for a second. Did they really go in for the right reason? I, I, I think they were so delusional that they believed it was the right reason. But again, forget about the delusional part. Did they go in for the right reason? Did they go in to really spread the word of god or whatever else that they think or was it this self-serving mission that they wanted to always kind of do i think they went in with a a a good intention and then the power went to their heads i don't know i i would disagree i think they went in with a self-serving mission that they wanted to be a leader they needed to be heard they needed to be followed and once they got a couple of people again every there's a documentary on cults on Netflix or on HBO. I can't remember which one that it's very interesting when, when you see how the cult leaders have almost brainwashed people by sitting Mm -hmm. with them over and over again, telling them, I'm, you know, I am the Messiah. I am the person that was sent to, to make you better and stronger. And, and if you are someone looking for acceptance, look at the people that they choose. Mm-hmm. People that are going through a lot in their life that they're looking for a change. They're always looking for something different. And they end up just sucking it all up. And they end yeah. up getting themselves in all kind of trouble. So I don't know. I, I don't think that I would tell you religious leaders that create a cult like atmosphere go in there with their interpretation of what they think the religion should be and how people should be able to be a part of it. But then they go south real quick when that power where people start calling them, you know, a god or, um, you know, a messenger sent from God or whatever it might be. That's when they start losing their faith, their vision and everything else. Correct. Correct. And, and I, I do believe you, you I do believe you are right. But I also believe that there are certain people that go into things and they're like, wow, this is I I. I I am doing good. I'm going to continue to do good. And then, oh, I'm getting bigger. Oh, you know, you, you said something uh, in one of the previous podcasts that how all these cult leaders always end up or religions end up being, you know, sexually oriented. About sex. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I just think that as you get bigger or as your mission gets bigger, I believe that there are bigger um, temptations. And you start to feed into some of them. I mean, it's again, it's no different than politics. It's greed, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's greed. It's no different than that business owner you're talking about that, you know, they started off small and this happens all the time. 
Um, you know, I've said this to you and other people that I care about very much. Do not ever accept a position just because of the money they're offering you. Accept it because it's what you believe you want to do. Because once you sell yourself, it's very hard to buy yourself back. Right. And it's they don't extreme. care. They don't care about that money. No. Because the, the whole the thought of it is, is I'm going to give them an outrageous number. Okay. And it's going to be for a year. If I if they wind up staying a year, it's going to be uh, worth it. If they don't, then I mean, it's they only bought you. That. They bought yeah. you. So you have yeah. to do whatever they want because they bought you. And it's very hard to get out of that because now. So let's say you come in to, to work for me and I say, so, you know, what's your what's your salary request? And you say, I'd really like to make 70, even though the job that you qualify for maybe is 50, 55. Right. Mm-hmm. I give you 90. You're yeah. never going to go anywhere else and find a job that's going to pay you even 60. No, you just skewed the market. And now you're you're stuck because you're used to this lifestyle that's paying you ninety thousand rather mm-hmm. than the fifty thousand that you should have been. You you're you become um, outrageous and thinking like you deserve this, and you get lost. Mm-hmm. It becomes like a drug. You're addicted, mm-hmm. and you're stuck. You're stuck. It's not, it's not that you're you're lost because some people wake up from that. It's that you're stuck yep. because. You just sat there and did a job. Say you got hired as a clerk at $90,000 and you did the clerk, you did the assistant manager and the manager's job. And now you have all experience in that. You couldn't go and leave and make the money you're making now as a manager. Well, that's and that's the problem is, is, you, is now you're stuck. You think you have that experience to do that job. Meanwhile, anything at that place says you're a secretary. Mm hmm. So, you, you know, you were the fill-in CEO or you were the fill-in whatever. That doesn't mean anything because the only thing that you're down for is a secretary. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's where people kind of get lost is through that greed, through the money. And it once, it, I mean, it's it's no different than um, than anything else. I mean, once you start selling yourself, it's very hard to buy yourself back because you can't afford it. You just right. cannot afford to be able to buy yourself back because you're you're over you're overwhelmed with the debt you created with the newfound money you have. Right. And you're you you have a lifestyle, you're embedded in it, but now you're miserable because mm-hmm. you're stuck. You have to deal with somebody yelling at you, degrading you every day, calling you stupid don't know anything, I'm the best, you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what is that buying you? Because you're still going home at night. Yeah, you might have a nice place to stay and you might be living well, but you're miserable. And I think what, what happens, what? yeah, what, what happens in those kind of environments is um, like some people start bonding together and there's a fear from that upper enchilant that they're like, Oh no, they're, they're starting to join forces and compare notes. We need to do something about it. And they create some sort of diversion or whatever else that might be. Um, it's, it's that whole divide and conquer. So you have to just really, you have to have control of yourself more than anyone else. You can't do anything for anybody else except be able to listen to them, provide them your perspective, but you can't change them. And, they have to come to that change on their own. Like I've always said to be careful of telling somebody who they should 
like what kind of uh, job they should get, who they should go out with, who sh- who they should marry, how to bring their kids up. Because the moment it goes sideways, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, you have to just give the perspective of this is what I would do for myself. Yeah, and it's no different than – you know, you, you never speak ill, like, even like if, you know, your wife's best friend and, uh, oh, she should break up with him and, and they break up and then you're like, oh, he was trash. And then mm-hmm. they get back together and now you got to yeah. deal with the dude, you know? Right. Yeah. He doesn't deserve you. He's a piece of yeah. garbage. That guy's right. an asshole. Yeah. Do you know what he did one time? He tried to, yeah. he tried to pick me up and he tried and, 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 you know, you're sitting there and you're thinking you're supporting this person that has gone through a horrible event. You're trying to kind of soothe them over. Right. And then a week later they're together. And how do you sit there and look at that person in the face after you said some horrible no, things? You're about awesome. Their... I'm so glad you're back. Yeah. Oh my no, God. I'm so mean... happy for you guys. No, no, no. So... There's only a few people that I, I, you know, you're going to sit there and ask my opinion. I'll tell you my answer, but uh, I'm and, sorry and I... to hear you're going through this, but yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always tried to, and, it took me a while to grow up from that because I, I was one of those people that's like, oh, that guy's a jerk off. You need to leave him. You deserve better. Or that girl's a this, you know, everybody thought she was that. And mm-hmm. um, and then when they get back together, it's such an awkward setting because, you know, that that person went back and told them like, oh, this is what John said. This is what Sam said. And and now yeah. there's <laughs> hatred and animosity between you guys that you don't know how to be able, like what do you go up to the person and say hey listen i was just saying that because i felt bad yeah i didn't really mean it yeah yeah you know and, and you learn and you definitely have to learn that lesson with your kids as they get older because then they start dating and you know they're like oh so and so broke up with you you can't sit there and say like i remember my mom my mom was horrible she's a whore she's this she's that she was mouthy she can't cook she comes from a family that can't do laundry like stuff like that and you're like Okay, and then the next week you're back together and you're like, and your mom goes, well, it's on you. Well, you just locked yourself into that. You should have just kept your mouth shut. <laughs> like, well, I just, again, my mouth I, shut. I'm sorry you're going through that, honey. Yeah, whatever you need. But parents, parents, I think parents give some of the most twisted advice because they they try to do that tough love. Right. And they want you to kind of feel the pain so this way you, you don't have to experience it again. But, mm-hmm. um, I think it's your friends that are worse because your friends are with you all the time and you share stuff with your friends that you don't share with your parents. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, 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 you know, it becomes this very, very weird situation that now you're, you're sitting saying things to them, the really intimate things that later on they bring up and they're like, remember when you said that this person did this they were that and blah, blah. Who does that kind of stuff? And not good at all. No, no, not, not good at all. And it's, it's funny because, um, you get stuck in those ruts too. So you never want to overcommit with your opinion. Um, and then sometimes like, you, you know, I had this going back to the business aspect of things. I had this chief a long, long time ago. Um, there's, I mean, you're dealing with hundreds of personalities in a, in a firehouse and, Everybody's always high strong. And there was, I don't even remember what the issue was going on in the firehouse. And for whatever reason, I just kind of stood my ground with what I thought. And that was it. And he came up to me and he said, you know, what is right will always be right. You can't be wrong. It's always right. 
And I thought of that. And I, at the time, I didn't understand what he was saying. But in a simpler term, it was the sky's blue. The sky's always going to be blue. So the facts are the facts. Yeah, the facts are the facts of it. And, you know, I think people lose sight of that because they skew that, that line, you know. <clears throat> well, maybe the owner is right. We don't have to follow this rule. And then all of a sudden, you know, the fact is that if you don't follow this rule, you're you're out of line and you get shut down or you can't do this or you can't do that. Like, it's not that hard. Um, I'm sure you've been that, in, but but I'm sure you've been in positions where, again, even though you had your opinion and you had your thoughts of how it could be different or better, and even in your current job, you still don't know enough to really mm-hmm. be so like positive about what you want to say. So mm-hmm. you you kind of stated almost in a, a fearful way, like, hey, what do you think? And as soon as you say, nope, you kind of shut it down. You're like, okay, I don't know enough. What do you think about not stabbing that person when they're not looking? Yeah. 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 And, no, and, and again, I mean, just from a business standpoint, I'm sure you've been there where I've had bosses that have come up to me and said, what do you think of, what do you think of John? And I'm like, oh, you know, I think he's a good guy. No, see, you don't know what he did with them. And then they start kind of painting this picture about John that he's a horrible person. You're like, oh, my God, John is terrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. So then how do and you. And then the next thing you, know, next thing you know, they're on a campaign against you. Meanwhile, they wrote you a really nice letter two months beforehand telling you how great you are. And, and, and I think that's that tough part is mm-hmm. like, how do you. Like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how 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 do you how do you fix that? There's it's think, very I different. Think, I think as you get older too, you're just like, all right, this isn't worth it. The energy to fight. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Okay, if that's what you want to do, you're the owner. Whatever, we'll do it. You know. Um, and you're almost willing to wait it out so that it's wrong. And when it's wrong, you still don't say anything. But when questions are asked, you turn around and you say, yeah, well, you know, this this isn't working and. You know, we're trying this or whatever. And then, you know, you got to go from there. But then there are times where you just absolutely have to open your mouth and, you know, stand your ground. Um, but I think as you get older, you you learn it's just better to kind of not say anything about things. So um, not completely shut down, but knowing knowing who you're dealing with. Listen, there's certain people where, you know, uh, at that moment may not be the right time to say this is absolutely a piss poor idea. Mm. Um, and then there are people who you can never say it to because they don't, they aren't wrong. They need to be the smartest person in the room, even if they're the dumbest. Mm-hmm. And most likely that's the reason why they need to be the smartest person in the room, their own fear of people finding out they're the dumbest. So those people, you don't say anything to. And then there are the people that you know that you can talk to and that you can say something to, and you can have a discussion about it. Well, why do you think it's, why do you think this is wrong, John? Well, X, Y, and Z. Well, I think it's right. X, Y, and Z. Well, how about we compromise in the middle and we do half of what you say and half of what I say? And honestly, when was the last time you came across that until recently? You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's been hard. It's been hard to find. It's been I think, hard to find. Yeah. I think it, it, there's a lot to be said about working in an environment that, it it produces discussions and it allows for people to have this level of comfort that they can feel that they're a part of the team, but to mm-hmm. also control it and make sure that the people don't think just because they can voice an opinion 
that it is the opinion the company has to have and move forward with. Um, it, it's it's been very tough anywhere that I've gone where you know people immediately want to they want to check you out, they want to test you out, they mm-hmm. want to look you up, they want to try to do their own background search on you and reach out to people, and then they think they have an inside scoop on you. As if, <laughs> I think this is the funniest part, as if they're the only ones that have access to the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that makes, I guess, the leadership feel they need to take a different stance. Mm-hmm. And that makes you and your role have to take a different stance. Um, I, I try to be the same person no matter what. I live by a certain credence that I've created for myself in my life. I try to be firm, fair, and consistent. Yeah, I, I say that as well now, too. Well, and, and the reason is then you know where I'm coming from every single time. There's nothing, nothing should surprise you if I do certain things a certain way because that's how I'm doing it with everyone. It's, it's consistent. Mm-hmm. It's as fair as I can measure it. And there's always room for improvement. But until I can find something better, this is what I'm doing for now. Right. Right. And it's funny because, um, you know, they, they when they, you know, look on the Internet or they get this preconceived notion, whether forget about the Internet. Oh, I know. I know John will come work here yep. and John will do this and John will do that. And he's lucky to even have any. Ha- well, John is desperate, so John will come here because right. he will never have an opportunity like this anywhere else. No, guess what? You were wrong. Yeah, you know, like you, you don't know because you don't want to believe. Well, that- and, and sometimes you, as a person, I mean, John has to say, you know what? I don't need the ninety thousand. I can live on the fifty thousand and be healthier in my work environment and not have to feel so so broken and stressed and everything else. So sometimes it's it, again. Some people get wrapped up in the money piece, and and not to get into your your financials, John. But like, you have to set yourself up to right. make sure that you can always balance yourself off, right? Um, mm-hmm. I I learned this many years ago. Like to make sure I felt comfortable in taking care of my family, I needed to have. Um, at least a year's worth of salary or a year's worth of bills stored away just in case something happens. Right. Because I want to be able to minimally for a year if I needed to, you know, be out of work or try to readjust to do whatever else that my family and I are taking care of. Yeah. That took years, years to kind of get to that place. And I still worry about it because I don't know really if, if that's enough to take care of them if the time ever came. So I yeah, think I that think. that's where I would recommend for anyone that is really looking at being in a certain environment, is this for me? If you're asking yourself that question, then it probably isn't. Right. And you need to start thinking about what, how can you make that environment better for yourself and your family? Because your family does suffer. Yeah, when you come home and you don't want to talk and you're agitated, you're agitated because this person just called you stupid 
or you did something exactly the way they told you to do it and it was wrong and you knew it was going to be wrong, but you did it because they told you to do it. And then you got yelled at anyway, or you get a text that, you know, that's degrading, like, you know, at our age now, you go screw yourself. I'll go work at Wawa and be happy. Nothing no wrong with Wawa. Work. No, they make great money there. Right, nothing wrong with Wawa. And listen, I, I don't know how many t- more times I could apologize for doing that to you. Yeah, um, it's okay. Um, you did that a lot, but um, I forgave you. Um, it sounds like you haven't because you're bringing it up here. You're a guru. Sorry, I had to say that. You know I had to fit that in. Had to fit that in. You're a nut job. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're a nut job. Um, so uh, the other night, me and my lovely, beautiful partner went to Walmart. Okay. Now I know I, you know, when I tell stories, they're completely accurate. There's no drama. I say it very deadpan. Um, and it's hard to kind of believe me cause it's so dry and so underwhelming. So, um, I walk through, um, I came around the aisle and I turn and there was this older woman there like 60 ish. And she had a flannel shirt on with one button buttoned. Her breast was not only hanging out of the top, but the bottom by her waistband. Like, I almost thought it was strapped in with her belt from her pants. But anyway, and I went, and I started to make a sound of vomiting. And Lori was like, what what is wrong? And I'm like, shh, shh, shh. So I tell her, and she's like, stop. She's like, you're, you're exaggerating. It's not that bad. I was like, okay, you know, we're, we're walking in the same direction. You're going to see him. So sure enough, she goes to turn and walk down the corner, and she can't control him. And she was like, oh, my God, there it was, staring her at two different locations. And I was telling the truth. What do these people think is going on when you – like like how do you walk out of the house do you not look in the mirror and go oh my boobs hanging out maybe somebody told her uh she thought she looked good that way it was a, it was a woman right i mean sure oh, sure okay. i i honestly between the throw up in my eyes i didn't get a chance to really look at it i'm thinking it was a woman yeah because okay. the boob was huge yeah i mean a couple things real quick did you get her number no hmm no, no, no. Lori did though. Lori did. Okay. I mean, yeah. let's see if we can get that person on the podcast and find out. Right. Um, I mean, maybe she was having hot flashes and needed to cool off. We don't know that. Mm. Change of life. That'll do it too. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Um, I, I think the other thing is, um, I would have expected you to get a, a selfie with her. I know. I know. I, that's, a, I get so mad about missed opportunities like that. Speaking about missed opportunities, and, and, and how, how could you not like let her know that that you're Johnny B from uh, Jersey Smarties and capture right? that moment? Right. I would have done it. I you should have pulled your phone out and started doing an interview right there. Like, hi, this is John. Um, I'm here on location, and I'm sorry. What's your name? So yeah, tell me why are you I, here. I, I usually carry my portable mics with me in case I run into people. Um, so did you see the picture I sent you this morning? Yes. Johnny Bananas. Yes. So apparently he was a villain on another reality show. So now E has this reality show. Listen to this. The House of Villains. So he, so, he, he started off on the MTV road rules stuff. Yeah. 
So, so, so they put like 10 people in this house. One of them is the dude who said his grandmother died and survivor and made people like yeah. be sympathetic to him. Yeah. Um, and he lied. The other is Amorosa. Yeah. Another She's one. She's on it. And so is Jax from Vanderpump Rules. And Jax is like, listen, I was a jerk off. I was this, I was that. And then I had a kid and I'm nice. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Like, I don't, I don't go on, go on elimination things. Right. Let me tell you, I watched the first episode of that. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. It's like a burning dumpster of fun. You got to watch it. I'm going to have to know. Yeah. You're going to have to watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good talk, little buddy. Well, it's always a good talk. We yeah, I wanted, I wanted to um, take a second and thank our listeners in Argentina. Um, they've been uh, tuning in. Um, I appreciate you out there. Argentina? Our, yeah, Argentina. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Argentina. Yep, yeah, they're listening. That's amazing. Number one in the Tina. All right. Good job, yeah. Tina. Yeah. Good yeah. job. That's impressive. Well, well, I guess until the next episode, um, I'm looking forward to how this world will continue turning in the, in the disastrous way it's turning. I just hope, and, and this is all jokes aside, I really hope that we can come back to some level of humanity. We've lost our humanity in the last couple of weeks where that anger and fear is causing us to go into such a bad direction. And I do worry, I worry about how the world will continue turning in that direction because there's a lot of people that are affected by this and we can't seem to understand how to be able to stop it. So uh, my prayers to everyone out there that's affected by these recent tragedies and these horrible things that are happening. Everyone, take care. Stay classy, New Jersey. Be safe. And everyone have a great day on purpose. Hey, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Jersey Smarties podcast on any number of formats. Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever. Just click on the button. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks for listening to Jersey Smarties. Real talk, real people.